we do. So, Chloe, Whoa. what are we doing for the rest of tonight? Well, tonight, Ryan, we are in the house and we are going to hear a word. Wow. Can we, yes. can we get everyone up to their seats? To the seats. Oh, oh to the, stand up, stand up. We're going to come down. We're going to come more. Come, oh, I now, feel so short. Our speaker tonight has literally hopped off a plane 12 hours ago. Um, we're going to go with it. 12 hours ago, just to speak to you guys. Can we give it up for our youth pastor, Pastor Matt Hennigan? I'll take a hug, yeah. Thank you, guys. You can grab your seat, please. Turn to your neighbour say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. Turn to your other neighbour say, you're all right. <laughs> hey, who's had a good week so far? Give me a big wave. Who's had a test this week? Give me a big wave. Who reckon they passed that test? Let's give God a clap of praise right now for that. That's amazing. Who here has eaten some McDonald's this week? Tiana, I see that. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hey, he's got the Macca's cup. Let's give a round of applause to Chris Wenham. Man, you know, week in, week out, we're preaching, hey, take Jesus with you to McDonald's, to your world. But Chris is taking McDonald's to Jesus tonight. <laughs> he's, a, he's a man of the word. Hey, um, if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of Genesis. And we're going to pause on chapter three. We're going to read in just a few moments. If I've never met you before, my name is Matt. I'm the youth pastor here. Hi, Sam. It's good to see you. Uh, let's, uh, where are the new people? Give us a big wave if it's your first time tonight. Make some noise for every new person. Come on, Nations Youth. Like they said, you are our VIP. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, Nations Youth, we've always got room for one more. Amen. You know, um, I was in Cork, in Cork in Ireland, uh, this last week. I've been practicing my Irish accent, and uh, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll, get, I'll, I'll do it, and you guys just let me know if it's like, give me like a, a, a sign out of 10. But the trick I believe to an Irish accent is you mumble, speak fast, and try and chuck a bit of a whistle on your words. And if you can do those three things. It, so, for example, I just need a sentence. What's a sentence? I don't know. Um, all right, I'll, I'll read the scripture. Genesis 3, verse number 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Is that right? <laughs> uh, man, I've got a thing to tell Roland when I see him next, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, we were in Ireland for a um, uh, mission trip over there, and I fell sick the second day, and literally I was in bed for like eight days straight. It was the absolute worst. I've never been more sick in my life. I was in cold sweats. I would like sleep all day. I'd sleep all night. I couldn't eat. Um, it was really, I've lost so much weight. It's amazing. You can't see under the t-shirt, but I'm like literally five kilos lighter. And um, yesterday was the first healthy day I've had in the whole trip. And so, um, <laughs> you say, one guy, he's, he's, he's alive. <laughs> literally, have you ever been so sick? You're like, God, take me now. <laughs> it's just like, and I didn't realize this, but the, the virus that I had, you shouldn't be eating fruit with. And so I've been like, all right, let's just eat some light fruit and veg and stuff. But the acidity in the fruit was like burning my stomach. And so like it was just painful after painful. I've had so many drugs, like the, the prescriptive type. <laughs> I am not endorsing medical marijuana. Please hear my heart. Um, but I felt like I was a medical marijuana. I tell you what, like I was cooked out of this world. <laughs> but, 
But praise God, I made it to the other side, amen? And, um, you know, all of that to say, sometimes in life, things happen and it's just like, what the? You know what I'm saying? Bit of a what the moment. But I, I really want to encourage and challenge you, don't let your what the moments be the stop, but just be a moment. You know, that God's greatest plan, the greatest things He wants to do are still on the other side of your what the moments. I think of every person in the Bible. I mean, imagine if the apostles gave up on the storm on the lake and they didn't make it to the other side. We actually wouldn't be sitting in this room today. Could you imagine if Paul on the way to Rome to deliver the gospel to Caesar, if he decided after 14 days of no food and a complete storm, they say, you know what, God, it's too much. I'm going to call it a day. But he pushed through to the other side. And some stuff just happens which is out of our control and it kind of sucks. But I encourage you, if you're in a what the moment right now, maybe your week's been really difficult. Maybe you've got a situation in your world where it's just like, man, God, where are you? Like, what is going on? I want to encourage you. Don't let this moment be the end. Let it be a moment. Keep pressing into God. Keep putting him first and you will see the other side. Amen? Amen? Awesome. But I'm excited to be back and preach the word. So funny, eh? Yesterday... Because that's been like a virus, I've had like all these mouth ulcers. And so um, I had like this huge one underneath my tongue. Dude, it's just been like a crazy week. I had like this huge ulcer under my tongue and I couldn't talk properly. And so I, like, I had to talk like this and stuff. And so I was like trying, to, like trying to evangelize when you talk like this. It's a bit special, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I just, you know, but one thing that I realized through the trip is that it's, it's never about one person. And I, I, in our time in Ireland, though I was out for all of it, God did some absolutely amazing things. I mean, we, we went over with us, and there's three people that have moved there from Perth, one from Germany. And leaving that week in Ireland, there's roughly like nearly 30 people which are ready to make Nations Church cork their home that are about to plant connect groups. So let's just give God a clap of praise for that. Seriously, we just had... Divine appointment after divine appointment, God was moving. We had great information, one great information session, one of them no one came to, which was hilarious. But the second one was awesome, that we, it was packed with people, and uh, I'm just excited for what God's doing there. Just keeping it real. <laughs> I just don't want to lie to you guys. That, that's how the week was, but God's doing great things. We serve a good God, and He's got something to say to us today. Amen? Are you guys ready for the Word of God? You know, um, tonight I really felt... Uh, that God kind of put on my heart to speak to you and to speak to us tonight about the area of what goes on inside of our mind. Because the truth is, the biggest battle that I believe that you're going to face actually isn't one that goes on around you. It's the one that goes on inside of you. That the space between your right and your left ear is probably the biggest landing room of attack the enemy has to get at you. And so I think if we're going to be saints that are equipped, and this whole term we're preaching equip the saints, we want to be people that are prepared, that are ready to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ into our world, the good news that God loves them, that He saves them, that He heals them, that they don't have to die, they don't have to go to hell, they can live for eternity, they can live their best life here on earth. That good news, if we're entrusted to be stewards of that and to be equipped, I think a part of that equipping process is actually taking captive or control what goes on inside of here. And for many of us, a lot of us are like the rest of us and have attacks that go on that we don't even realize are attacks. We have thoughts that go through our mind. In fact, sitting here right now, you have a voice speaking to you in your head that is telling you to decide what to think about what I'm saying. 
You know, some of us are so used to this voice in our head that we don't even, we, we just think it's us. We don't even realize that there's another player going on inside of our mind that is discerning everything that's going on. Some of us are like, man, look at his clothes. What is he wearing? That shirt's way too oversized. What is he possibly thinking? Some of us are looking at like, man, oh my gosh, why is the back of his hair hanging out the bottom of his man bun? If only if it was two inches short, uh, longer, he could tie it all up. How frustrating. Some of us are like, you know, like we, we, we've got these voices going on inside of our, our, our head. <laughs> Is anyone thinking that, actually? Like, you guys. Man, girl troubles, am I right? Because, <laughs> like, you can't tell you. Anyway. Um, but maybe for you, this voice has been speaking to you in other areas as well. Maybe you felt God put on your heart, hey, go pray for that person and, and pray for them to be healed. But then before you even did anything, a voice spoke to you and said, they're not going to get healed. Do you remember the last three people you prayed for? Or maybe you felt God impregnate on your heart. Hey, start a prayer group in your school. Start, start a lunchtime Bible study. And then before you even signed up, before you even put the notice in, before you even invited anyone, a voice started telling you in your head, no one's going to come. They're going to think you're weird and you're going to lose all your friends. You know, without us even articulating it, we have this voice inside of our mind. Some of us have it when it's go and share our testimony with someone. Someone's telling us in our mind, they're going to think you're an idiot. They're going to reject you. And without us even doing a thing, we've had someone speak to us and convince us not to. And it wasn't even the people we were intending to reach. You know, Pastor Ken Lee, our senior pastor at Nations Church, is an amazing, mighty man of God. And one thing he says is the most destiny-defining conversations are the ones that you have with yourself. And so tonight, I want to speak on the topic, kill off the negative self-talk. Because I believe one of the biggest barriers between the call of God on your life and where you currently are is the negative self-talk that you allow to go on inside of your head. See, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, I think it is, that the Son of God, sorry, the children of God don't make a pl- uh, habit of sinning, for the Son of God, Jesus, holds them, and the enemy cannot touch them. If you are a Christian, you are untouchable to the enemy. The devil cannot touch you, but what he can do is speak to you. And so what he will do is try and get inside of your mind, and it's often in the realm of negative self-talk, and what he tries to do is get you to touch yourself and stop doing what God wants you to do. So rather than you stepping forward into the things, you then do the work of the enemy for him and you don't even go there in the first place. Rather than going to pray for that person, you do the work of the enemy for him and you don't even step out in prayer. Why? Because you had a negative self-talk going on inside of here the whole time. And tonight I want to speak into killing off the negative self-talk. Would you close your eyes? I'd love to pray with us. Thank you, Father, that you're here. I thank you for your spirit. Lord God, I My life is but dust and I'm just but a breath, Father God, but your spirit is life, Lord, and your word is spirit and your word is life. So God, I'm asking right now that we would not hear from Matt or from my ideas or thoughts, but would we hear the very living, breathing word of God? The, the Bible says that your word is alive and active. It's sharper than any sharpest two-edged sword. It pierces to dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow. So, Father God, I ask that that word would come right now. It would penetrate heart. It would penetrate minds, Father God. It would pierce through. And I pray that you'd reveal to young people and leaders in this place the places that negative self-talk has been talking us out of things, the places we've allowed ourselves to think things which are not 
from you, Father God. And I pray that you would come, that you would take your word, that you'd renew our minds tonight and transform our lives. We're hungry, we're open, we're expectant for more of you. We ask these things now in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Everyone said? Amen. Amen. We're going to read Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1 to 11. When you're there, say, I'm there. I could, but all right. Sorry, what happened? I just kind of, I heard you wouldn't like saying negative self-talk, man. (laughs) Is it okay? I've drank so much water in this last week. My goodness. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, reading 3 to 11, it says this. The serpent. Everyone say the serpent. serpent. Now, if you're not familiar with Bible history, the serpent is actually referring to the devil. It says the serpent was the shrewdest or the most cunning of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. Pause right there. I just want to encourage you. Before we ever actually do the habit or practicality of sinning, what happens is we get convinced of it in our mind first. The Bible says the woman was convinced. Then she saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. You know, the enemy, again, cannot touch us. He cannot cause you to sin. He cannot cause you and I to do wrong. But he can try and convince us in our mind. And so it says that she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, everyone say that moment. Their eyes were opened and they suddenly, everyone say suddenly, felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The original Gucci gang. (laughs) When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? You know, if you've never read the scripture before, this is called the fall of man or the introduction of sin. And you and I, we live in a broken world. And we, we understand that because if you look at the world, it's easy to see brokenness. You know, we look at the suicide rates, abortion rates. We look at the depression rates. We look at people that are struggling with sicknesses and pains and famine and disease and hunger all over the world. That is actually a byproduct of sin. And when God created the world, He did not create the world with sin in it, nor those evil things in it either. He created the world perfect. The Bible actually says that when He made the world, He looked and said, this is good. 
that God's intention for us as humanity is good and without evil. However, you and I, through Adam, back in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago, they decided they rebelled against the will of God. They disobeyed Him. They ate some fruit from the garden. And then you and I as humanity, we fell into a reality of sin. And now us, when we're born, we are born as sinners. We don't sin and that makes us a sinner. We sin because we already are sinners. Does that make sense? However, God's desire and intention for humanity has always been to restore us back to where we were originally in the garden, without sin, without sickness, without shame. And God's master plan of redemption, if, in fact, if you read the story a little bit onwards, God ends up killing a calf and sacrificing it and using its clothes to clothe them, to hide them for their nakedness. It's actually a symbol of how he would one day send his son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate sacrifice to pay the ultimate price to ultimately cover all of us for all of our shame, all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing, and present us acceptable to the Father again. But when Jesus Christ, sorry, <coughs> restored us back to God, he didn't just restore us positionally, he restored us conditionally, wow. completely. I'm so sorry. <coughs> Yeah, <laughs> Tian said, it's a shame you don't have any water. Peer pressure, eh? It will kill you. Oh, oh Joshy, thank you, bro. <laughs> and so, part of Jesus dying on the cross for you and from our oh, round of applause. Oh. Stop. Ah, oh. ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes later, just like, <laughs> oh, I wish I had some water. <laughs> I'm going to take it slow. I've learned my lessons. <laughs> we fail forward. It's not about not failing. It's just you learn from your mistakes. Amen? <laughs> Man, you guys are bad influences on me, hey? <laughs> and so Jesus' ideal desire in dying for our sin on the cross, he was pierced hands and feet. And, it was, and he died on that cross. He bled for you and I. It wasn't just so that when he rose again, we could be right in the sight of God. It's that we could be restored to how God originally designed us to be. But when man fell, God actually asked man a very funny question. It says this. We read that again in verse number 11. So, sorry, verse number 10. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Then God says this. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? That's a very interesting statement because the devil never told them they were naked. If you think about it, who told you that you were naked? Satan never told them. God never told them. Right here in scripture is the very first introduction of this thing called self-talk. That self-talk, that negative perception in your mind, that actually only comes after sin, not before. It's not something God designed you to have. It's not something God designed me to have. And it's something that He's desired through the redemption of Jesus Christ to take away from us, to restore us back to how He originally created us to be. That who told you you were naked, it wasn't them. and it, Sorry, it wasn't God, but it was actually themselves. And it, the, the devil didn't just tell them, but they told themselves. And the result of that was shame. The result of that was being afraid. That self-talk will always try and lead you to shame. It will always try and lead you to be afraid. And eventually, it will always try and lead you away from the purposes of God. That when God came calling for them, they went hiding instead. 
And if we're not careful, if we listen to our self-talk, it will lead us away from the things, from the purposes, from the call of God, rather than leading us towards Him. You can always tell whether it's the voice of God or not by the simple test. If it encourages you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the Holy Spirit. But if the voice that you're hearing is leading you to go away because you feel condemned, because you feel shame, it's taking you, making you want to run away from God, that's actually not the Holy Spirit that you're listening to. It's either the devil or it's negative self-talk. And I want to share with you guys a story in my own life where I've really wrestled with this idea of negative self-talk. And I've never shared this story here, and I felt to do so. Some of you have heard it, so we'll see how we go. It'll be a good time. But um, it was in 2015. So what year are we? 2019. Four years ago. Who was in year eight four years ago? See that hand. Hey, the year 11s. All the year 11s. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Quick math. <laughs> so, it's not you guys. <laughs> no, no, the year 12. Sorry, guys. Anyway, who was alive four years ago? Yeah, yeah we all were. Cool. Except for most people in this section, which is amazing puberty skills right there. Goodness. So, um, four years ago, one afternoon, I was sitting at home. And I was like, I had a thought to do something. And I was like, oh, I don't know whether I should. And I heard in my head this voice literally say to me, I will not forgive you. And I was like, whoa, that's like, that's pretty, pretty heavy. And I, I kind of questioned, I was like, man, would that be God? Would that not? I, I, don't, I don't really know. And as, as I kind of questioned it in my heart and in my mind, a part of me was like, you know, I don't, I don't think God would sort of say that. And so I went, I went and did it. And then as I was doing it, I was like, you know what, uh, yeah, God, I don't feel like this is the right thing to do. So I decided not to, to, to stop doing that thing. And then all of a sudden, this question came into my mind was, if that was God that said, I will not forgive you, and I just did the thing that he said he wouldn't forgive me for, am I now like not forgiven? And all of a sudden, this negative self-talk came into my mind, and it had a hook in my head that would condemn me. And I literally went through a long time of condemnation and shame. And my negative self-talk would interpret situations for me. I don't know if you've ever been there. So you're at the altar call and the, the pastor's coming by and he's praying for people. Oh, God's doing this in your life. And oh, I see the country, uh, Africa is all over you. And then they get to you and then they move on to the next person and then they keep praying. And it's like, for the majority of Christians, you should be okay. But for me, because I've got this negative self-talk that's telling me I'm now cut off from God, him not praying for me is almost a confirmation that I'm not right with God in that moment. That my negative self-talk was speaking to me saying, see, I told you that wouldn't happen. God doesn't love you. You're not good enough for God. Or, you know, something would go wrong. I remember my first high school's event I ever ran in fact, the first time I ever drove a ute in my life, I, I, I put on all these black mats and I did my best with a, with a strap. And I never used a strap in my life before either. And I was driving down North Lake Road and um, I was so nervous behind the wheel of this hired ute from Irie Car Hire who I was too young to be driving for. And so the whole thing was just like nerves galore. And anyway, all these cars start beeping their horns around me. And it, all I can think of was, praise God, they're not beeping at me because I'm so nervous right now. And then I look out my rear view mirror and I just see a black mat fly off the back onto the middle of the road. And I was like, shiver me timbers, call me jimbers. I pulled off to the side of the road. Legit, all the way down North Lake Road, there was like seven or eight black mats 
<laughs> just in the middle of the road. And like all of these cars are stopped and like these people are pulling them off the road and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, for most of that, that's a funny story, right? But when you've got negative self-talk going on in your mind, see, I told you that you'd fail. It's because God's cut you off. You're no longer good enough for him. See, your negative self-talk will actually try and accuse you and interpret your situations for you. And for me, I went through a long time of really wrestling with that. And you know, it took a long time to actually get free and a quick summation of the process of my freedom. I, I ended up going, you know what, God, I need to read the Word and get into it so much. I've got to find out if there's any, any grid possible for what, you, what I think you said that you will not forgive me to be true. And the best way to know if, if what God said to you is true is read what He's already said. Because God will never say anything that contradicts what He already said. And some of us want a word from God, but we don't realize we have the word of God. And rather than seeking God for another thing to say, we need to get into the book and see, God, what have you said? What have you spoken? Because when we understand what He has said, only then do we have the right mind to hear what He's currently saying. Amen. And so I would get into the Word ferociously, man. I read chapters a day. I, I would highlight. I would get it over me. And it wasn't just like an accusation in my mind. The negative self-talk in me all of a sudden now has a physical element too. I don't know if you've ever felt it before where it's like a tightness in your chest and a heaviness and a weight on you. And it's like you, sometimes you leave the house and it's like you, you're almost finding it difficult to move around, right? Sometimes you're in a conversation with someone, you're sitting across from them, and it's like you're, you're nervous and you're shaking, you've got anxiety, and it's just like this negative self-talk actually had a physical effect on my life. And I remember so many times being in my bedroom and not knowing what to do, and rather than just sitting there allowing negative self-talk to get at me, what I had to do was open the Word of God. Because the Bible says the Word of the God is the sword of the Spirit. And so if you want to disarm the enemy... You actually need to get the word out and speak it over your life. If you want to disarm the Holy Spirit, don't open the Bible because it's the only thing he has to use. But when we get the word of God, I remember sitting there and I'll get up still feeling so condemned, so accused. And I'll just start declaring scriptures over my life. That he forever made perfect them that are being made holy. That for once and for all time he has redeemed us. That he will never reject me. He will never abandon me. I'll get the word of God out and begin to speak that over my life. I read through Hebrews like there was no tomorrow. Chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 11, chapter 10. It was all about the redemption in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden as I began to read and believe and speak, God began to renew my mindset. Some of the greatest works, young people, that God wants to do in your life isn't through a pastor. It's actually through the Word. And we have to be a young people that are desiring and hungry and yearning, not for TV, not for another Netflix TV show, but for more of His Word. Because the Word of God will renew you. And I remember this one day I was so fed up. I was like, I'm so sick of feeling it. It was like probably like a year, nearly probably a year and two months later. And I was like, man, I'm still struggling with this thing. It's frustrating. I don't know what to do. And so I was like, I made an ultimatum. I was like, stuff it, devil. I'm going to win this battle with Jesus. And so I got out my phone or my iPad and I literally sat there and I wrote down every scripture that I knew about being made right through the sacrifice of Jesus. Literally, I had over like a hundred scriptures all from across the Bible. 
And I just made it my mission every day. I'm going to get up and I'm just going to speak however many and just declare this over me. And I would do that every day. I would walk around my bedroom. My poor nan next door who's got dementia, thank God she doesn't remember this. Uh, I was just... Sorry, this is a dementia joke for you. Um, she does have it, by the way, so I can't... Anyway. Um, but I would just declare and speak over, over my life and, and, and proclaim that. And that was the Saturday. Come the Sunday night, I remember getting prayed for by someone at the altar and having an encounter with Jesus where... It's like Jesus came and stood before me, and I'd love to invite the worship team to come join me. And I felt so overwhelmed at the weight of his glory and of his presence, I could do nothing but just jump on my knees. Not literally, but just slowly, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, anyway. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Eh? You know, like the emotional moment in the message, like... Jesus was there and I was falling on my knees and we all look and there's just this guy like, <laughs> so, <laughs> who loves Sean? Yeah. We love you, bro. We're going to pray for God to completely heal that. FEMA, is it? Yeah. Come on. Probably not right now. But like, <laughs> definitely tonight. In fact, who wants to pray with me for Sean after the service tonight? Meeting here, 8.35. <laughs> 14 minutes away. Um, anyway, so I, it was a Sunday night. He prayed for me, walked away, and I had this most incredible encounter with Jesus. And it was, it, it was profound, man. It was literally like, it was actually like right there. Jesus came and stood before me. It's the best way I could describe it. Like his physic, he was physically there. And I just fell to my knees and I just wept, like, like wept, like deep, deep weeping. I just began to cry because the weight of his glory was so overwhelming. And I physically felt this weight of oppression lift off me in that moment. And I want to tell you today that, yes, I have had condemning thoughts. And yes, I have had shameful thoughts, but I have not dealt with it like I had for that year and a half period. Because when Jesus sets you free, the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Can we give God a clap of praise for how amazing he is? And I just had this most amazing encounter with God. It's, it's, marked, it's probably my favorite to date, because not because of the moment, but because of the transformation that I'm a different person today that I actually have confidence now. I, I actually have a bit of boldness in my step and I actually have a, a bit of a joy in my heart because I know the freedom and the righteousness that's found in God. And if you're here and maybe you've got that question, am I right with God? You need only believe. The Bible says, whosoever believes in Him, not in yourself, if you believe in Jesus, you will be counted as righteous, as right in God's sight. Yeah. It's not about your good works, it's about your belief. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. For everyone who believes, their faith is accounted to them as righteousness. We're going to give an opportunity in just a few moments for anyone in the, that's in this place that you, maybe you're not sure and you're saying, yeah, I actually, I, I don't know where I'm at with God. Or I don't know if I have righteousness. I, I want to put my faith in Jesus. We're, we're going to say a prayer together, invite you to say that prayer. And in that moment, your sin goes on his cross and his righteousness goes on to you. And you get made, that's why the Bible says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new person. The old has passed. Behold, all things have become new again. And I was on my knees. And in that moment, not only was the physical weight gone, 
But something that shifted was the negative self-talk inside of my mind. And I think for all of us, we can relate to it because the truth about self-talk is it's, it's not what happens to you. It's what you believe about yourself because of it. For me, it's not that I heard a voice say, I will not forgive you. It's because I allowed it to mean I wasn't forgiven. For Adam and Eve, it wasn't because their eyes were open and they were naked. It was because they allowed it to mean they were shameful and need to be afraid of God. I don't know what situations you've been going through. Maybe you've not been called out by a, a, a pastor for a prophetic word. And maybe you allowed it to mean that the call of God isn't significant on your life. Maybe you've been battling with sickness and you're struggling with your health. And maybe you've allowed it to mean that maybe the love of God isn't for you. Maybe that he's passed his mind on you. Maybe you've been getting bullied at school or things aren't going well for you. You've allowed it to mean that God's not with you or he doesn't care about you there. Or maybe there's a family situation going on in your life that's out of control. But you've allowed it to mean that God doesn't care about your family. See, young people, it's never about what we go through. It's always about what we allow it to mean. And the gap between what we go through and what we allow it to mean, that's the space negative self-talk speaks to us. And I believe tonight by the power of God, His Spirit and His Word, He wants to crush that thing in this place, to kill off negative self-talk so that we can be young people who are free and are free indeed. I want to encourage you to stand to your feet right now and close your eyes. Thank you, God. I would just have a very simple question to every person in this place. And that's simply this. <clears throat> what self-talk have you been listening to? Because we've all got it going on inside. Some of us try and hide it. Some of us don't share it with anyone, not even our connect leaders. And so these battles are going on in internally, but externally it looks like everything's okay. What is the self-talk that you've been listening to? Because I believe that tonight God wants to change the way you think through His Word. And the process that God takes us on to kill off negative self-talk. Sometimes we, we want uh, someone to lay hands on us and boom, encounter, sweet self-talk, gone. I believe that some things God wants to do is actually a teaching. Because Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We love that. We love to come to Jesus, come to the altar, get filled up. Oh, yes, we've got rest. But the scripture doesn't stop there. It says in Matt 11, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Then he says, Then learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, and I will teach you. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Something God wants to do is a come to Jesus moment. Something God wants to do is a learn from Jesus moment. And the way we learn from Jesus is by submerging ourselves into His Word, into the Bible. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. It's not just a gimmick. It's not something we talk about because we're a Christian church and that's what churches do. No, it has the very transformative power to change your life. 
And God wants to kill and crush self-talk in people's minds tonight. But the process that He wants to do it is us learning from Jesus through the Word. That we need to submerge ourselves and say, you know what, God? I want to go deeper into Your Word. I don't just want to open it. I actually want to hear You. I want to read more. Another chapter. Another slither. Let not a, let not a day go by without me getting into Your Word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Your Word remains forever. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oh Lord, your word is established in the heavens. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's his word. And the way God is going to crush negative self-talk in young people's lives isn't just through one moment or encounter in his presence, but through a teaching in his word. So before we do a response altar call, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here that. Like I said before, you, you don't know if you've got that righteousness with God. You don't know if you yet believe in Jesus, that the gospel is the most beautiful thing in the world, most beautiful message. Simply this, you and I were so messed up. Adam and Eve sinned and all of humanity have sinned as a result of that. In fact, if you're a Christian here, can I encourage you to be praying with me in this moment? But all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So the truth is, whether we like it or not, none of us measure up. Let's just be real. None of us are good enough, man. We've all done wrong. We've all lied. We've all stealed. I've done it. You've probably done it. And because of that, there's a separation between God, who is perfect and good, and humanity that is wrong. But rather than, I mean, all religions teach this, that you need to try and be good to get to God. But Christianity is the only one that says, you know what? God was good to come down to you. And so God decided 2,000 years ago to put skin and bone on. He came down and lived as a human being for 33 years as the perfect life, as a perfect sacrifice. Then on his 33 year, third year, he chose to die on a cross. That He was pierced in his hands and his feet. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was bruised. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head. They yelled at him. They hurled assault to him. He was told to carry his cross with a flesh open back up this hill to Golgotha. There they laid him on a cross and willingly he chose to die. At any point he could have called upon thousands of angels to come and save him, but he saw the joy on the other side of that sacrifice was you and I in this room tonight. And he said, for the joy that's before me, I will endure this cross and he chose to willingly die and he hung there and breathed his last and gave up his spirit and at that moment when the, his spirit was given up the heavens were open and all of a sudden there was the ability for you and I as humankind to be made right with God and Jesus didn't just die but on the third day he was rose again by the power of that spirit and is still seated in heaven today at the right hand of God far above all authority dominion and power and he offers the free gift of life eternity heaven not hell he offers life salvation and healing to anyone who would simply believe in him it's very simple to be saved. What must one do to be saved? Repent. What does that mean? Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your shame, from the things you wish you never did, and turn to Jesus and believe that His sacrifice is enough for you. It's sufficient for you. And so right now, just so we know who we're praying for, I'd love if, if that's you and say, Matt, I want to put my faith and belief in Jesus with every eye closed and head bowed. Can you just slip up your hand? I'll see it. You can pop it straight back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for right now. Looking all over this place, if you're here and you're saying, yeah, 
I want to put my personal faith in Jesus Christ. Slip up your hand. I'll see it and you pop it straight back down. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Come on. I feel like there's one, maybe two people here. I see those hands back there. Bless you guys. Good on you. That is incredible. Is there anyone else in this place saying, yeah, that's me? I want to put my faith inside Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. And he's here. The Bible says, I see that hand back there. Good on you, sweetie. You're worth waiting for. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. Anyone who hears his voice and opens, he will come in and share a meal. Do you feel the knock in your heart tonight? Is your heart racing? That's Jesus. He will not bust his way in, but he stands at the door and he knocks. And to anyone who hears and opens, Jesus comes in and shares a meal as a friend. Is Jesus real to you tonight? If he isn't young person, I want to encourage you, let this be the night where he becomes your personal Lord and Savior. It will change your life. Don't live another day without knowing him. He is the best gift God has ever given us. So all across this place, one last time, if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus, slip up that hand real quickly. I'll see it. You can pop it straight back down. Just want to give about 10, 20 more seconds looking left to right right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Five, four, three, two, one. Amazing. Well, for those three girls that put up your hand, we're going to say a prayer together as a youth family. And can we all say this together, yeah? Yeah. Repeat after me, and for those that put up your hand, just believe it with me, and Jesus is going to come, take away your sin, and give you a brand new life tonight. But let's all say, this is a time to celebrate and be glad, amen? Amen. So why don't we say this, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're real. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I confess, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I confess that you're a saviour. And because of what you've done, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a daughter. I'm a son. I'm right with you. You are now my dad. I accept you into my life. Be my master. Be my friend. Be my Lord. And I will live for you for all my days. I love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Come on, let's give a round of applause right now. Come on, let's give a round of applause.